how to start. Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're modern. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to Creative Principles. I'm your host, Brock Swinson. In this podcast interview series, I'll be speaking with writers, directors, actors, musicians, chefs, and various other types of creatives as we bridge the gap between creativity and productivity. Here we'll be discussing the habits, routines, and lessons that help promote a successful creative life. If this is your first time listening, make sure to subscribe on SoundCloud or iTunes. Deadlines take away writer's blog, said screenwriter Chris Mundy. The writer started his career writing for Rolling Stone before he made the transition to film and television. Known for Cold Case, Criminal Minds, Hell and Wheels, Low Winter Sun, Bloodline, and now the new hit series Ozark. For Ozark, Mundy is fascinated with the character of Morty Bird, played by Jason Bateman. The father of the series, a man who launders money for his survival, is a type of person focused on logic rather than emotion, almost to a fault. In this exclusive chat, Mundy discusses the similarities between magazine profiles and characters, how writers keep the Bird family in new predicaments, why Marty isn't necessarily an anti-hero, and what's the importance of understanding where your lack of knowledge about the series. Find out more about Ozark in our other interview with Allison Feltz, the writer, on episode 124, and make sure to subscribe here on SoundCloud and iTunes. Well, I started as a journalist. I, I wrote for uh, Rolling Stone for 11 years um, before I got into television. And then uh, uh sort of transitioned to writing for TV out of writing for magazines. And um, then I think my first my first job was uh, on the final season of Chicago Hope way back when. And, uh, and from there, just worked on a, a, a bunch of shows and worked on, uh, came into Criminal Minds, uh, you know, I was a little ways into my career and, uh, and, uh, came on at the, during the first season, I came in at like episode 12. I wasn't there at episode one. I came in at like episode 12 and, uh, and stayed there for five years and did a spinoff for them for one year. And then, uh, moved over to started working at, uh, doing some work. I wrote a, I wrote a pilot in a show, created a show for AMC and kind of just went, went from there. I just, uh, uh, I've just worked on a, a, a pretty steadily on different different things, um, you know, ever since. What kind of advice might you have for somebody trying to make a, a transition like that from maybe profiles and journalism to, you know, more creative or more fictional creative work and, and screenplays or movies? Yeah, you know, I think I, it was really interesting to me that writing profiles and, and writing uh, scripts were oddly similar because in, in, when you're, when you profile a person, you uh, you're showing you're trying to show them, not tell them. You're, you're, there's scenes you'd have to have observed them rather than make than make them up. But you know you you want to show them walking around the world. You want to you want to let their personality come out. You're choosing specific quotes by them that they've said to illustrate things. It's it's similar as writing. It's a writing dialogue. So in a strange way. That they're they're really equatable, and you just need to have a um, 
you need to have a good insight into the character that you're trying to portray. And if you're doing profile, hopefully you're doing a good and accurate job of that. And, um, and that's what we do with the characters on our shows all the time. We're constantly talking about what they're like, what they would do, what they wouldn't do. So, um, those things, uh, they really, they linked up more than I ever thought they, they would. And if you come out of journalism at all, you know, you know how to hit a deadline. So that's always helpful. How would you, from that point of view, how would you describe Marty Bird? What might be some, some way you would describe his mannerisms or his style? Uh, we, we talk about Marty's, Marty's very, Marty's very practical and Marty is Marty is actually practical is the wrong word. I would say Marty's very logical and he will always, always lean on logic over emotion. And I think it's his strength. I think he, he likes data and he, and if he could, if he could shrink the world down to data to understand it, he would. And because of that, he can sort of see angles. He can, he can, he can understand a, a situation and, and, and shrink it down and help get himself out of it. What is kind of so? We spoke with um, Allison Feltz, I think, after season one um, at the end of 2018. How would you describe kind of the code of Marty as well as the code of the family? Like, the, one example, um, like they're very against the daughter smoking pot, but they're okay with the son laundering money. Like, how do they kind of figure out what their code is as a family who breaks the law? You know, I think they're constantly reinventing their code. I think they're, um, I think, I think at the, I think for all this time, they've been telling themselves that they're trying to, they're trying to work their way way out of a bad situation and stay, uh, good, good people and good parents and a, and a strong family. And I think the, the deeper they get in, the harder that is to do. So they have to do more mental gymnastics to convince themselves of it. But I think it I think at every at every stage they're trying to save their humanity a, a, a little bit. And they're and they're trying to say, This is the last time I'll do X or this is I'll do this thing once but I'll never do it again. And if we do this then we can get then we're out of this situation. I think they're always I think they're always striving for that. As Jason always says when we talk about this, he's like he always thinks that it at every point, the birds are trying to end the show. You know, they're trying to get out of it so they can just get off the show, and, and the show's done because they're free. It's just hard to it's 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 a it's a hard thing to do. Do you see like would you describe um, Marty Bird's character as an antihero? Like, how do you see him in the big picture of maybe television overall? I don't see him as an antihero, really. Um, I I you know I think that maybe that can that's a catch all for some things. I'd see him more as an every man that got who made a bad mistake and now is trying to unravel it, you know, through his own it was probably a little bit of greed, probably more pride than greed. He was and 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 arrogance that he might be able to get away with it. I think it was almost the I think he was more interested in the uh the question of whether or not he could pull it off as a, as a mental puzzle, as, as much as anything that he got in. And now it's, uh, it just keeps, everything's just unraveling because of it. But I, to me, you know, and part of it is, is the strength of Jason as an actor is he's, he's so relatable as, you know, your friend or your brother or your spouse or, or whoever. And, and, uh, 
So I don't think our viewers are going to go laundering money at this, but at the same time, I think they can manage to put themselves in Marty's shoes a little bit and be like, Oh my God, what would I do if I was stuck in that situation? It seems like you guys have a, a pretty well thought out um, series of events going on so far. Like what, how far are you thinking ahead? I know you don't know, um, you know, what, how many seasons have been confirmed in total, but do you have an end game in mind? I guess is the, is the big question. Yeah, we have, we have a, uh, we have a philosophical end game in, 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 in mind. And by that, I mean, I, I, I think we know, um, we don't know the exact facts surrounding it and the exact story plot around it, but we know where we want the birds to end up when all is, when all is said and done. So, uh, and we're, and we're, you know, we're plotting toward that, or at least sinking things into the narrative in each of the seasons that will make sense when it's all, all added up at the very end. Are there other characters possibly in cinema that you might compare Marty to? Like when, when I saw the, the, I think the first couple episodes, uh, it reminded me of uh, Tom Regan's character, Tom Regan, Gabriel Byrne in Miller's Crossing. He kind of, he'll, he'll almost sacrifice himself as if he's playing a chess game. He'll get hit in the face, but he's got some bigger plan in mind. Is, he, is his wheels always turning? And then what kind of would you compare him to, if anything, in cinema? Um, that's funny. It's, I, it's funny. I've never thought about the Miller's Crossing comparison at all, but I love that movie. I, I really, I really, really love that movie. Uh, so, uh, that's a great comparison to hear, <laughs> but, uh, um, you know, we've never really, I don't think there's ever been a day where we talk about Marty as in relation to somebody else, to be honest. Um, you know, there's times where you'll talk about other shows and say, you know, we have a family at the heart of our thing. So we'll say, you know, you'll find yourself talking about the Sopranos sometime because we always talk about the Sopranos because it was so good or, or trying to make sure you're not doing something that's been done before. And, and, um, but we've never really, um, I think the good news for us is we've, uh, we've always just thought of Marty as himself and we've never really put him in, in contrast to anybody else. Sounds like that might be, you know, part of your background is to really see him as a real person. Where you where you read all his profiles before, um, what what kind of research went into this? Like before you got started, I uh, I think we, when we spoke to Allison, she was just talking about how they, you know, if Marty's talking to his son, we can explain to the audience how laundering works in a simple process. But it seems like a great deal of research goes into it. How do you kind of go about that and make it as realistic and as authentic as possible? You know, we're lucky when you're doing a show. A lot of times people that know a lot more than you are willing to talk to you and help you, help you out. So we took some trips to the Ozarks themselves. And I'd been down there as a kid because I'm, I'm, I'm from one state over in Nebraska. And, but we also had an FBI agent who's, uh, uh, who's does money laundering cases. She came in and talked to us. We had a financial person to, to uh, come in that uh, kind of explained money laundering from, from his end, you know, what the, the worries are in, in, in the, in the financial world and, and, and the ways people do things. Uh, we had a, a lawyer from uh, uh, St. Louis firm on retainer for the second, for the second season, as we talked about um, a lot of, when we were starting to get into some of the casino, we talked to the Missouri gaming commission a couple times uh, while we were doing the second season. So at every point, uh, at every point you, 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 you find where your 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 weakness is and 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 where where your lack of knowledge is, and you just try to go straight to the best source possible. And 
the really nice thing is, is nine times out of ten, people are going to help you and talk to you. Can he, it seems like writing a character like Marty where he's so clever. I mean, just when he goes in and uh, the the kind of the poor family has stolen his bag of money, and he goes in there with no weapon and just kind of talks his way out of it. Have you ever written yourself into a corner? Can you think of an example where you've like, you know, we know Marty can get out of this, but how can he do it? And then how did you kind of come to those conclusions? You know, we wrote ourselves into a bit of a corner at the end of season one, just with, uh, with, uh, with the death of, of, of a major character who was, and we knew that we were going to have to pick up season two in some way immediately after that. And, try to explain just how in the world that they could possibly get away with it. And when we did it, we didn't have an, an we didn't have our answer yet. We just, we just trusted that we would come up with one. So that was, the, that was the biggest one. Cause that was, that was going to, that was going to land on our desks day one of starting the plot season two. What percent of the story did you guys kind of have mapped out before you started talking to, you know, the actual people or going to the Ozarks or was it kind of right from the beginning? Uh, you know, you start you start doing uh, you start doing the research first because the research the research is going to point you in directions. Um, it's going to point you in interesting directions as you as you, the more you know, the more you know what other what the next question to ask is. So um, I'd say we start with research. You're kind of doing them both simultaneously a little. Like when when we started on season one, we were doing all that research, and at the same time, we were really kind of breaking down. Okay, who is Marty? Who is Wendy? What are each of the kids like? What is Ruth's background? You know, what, where is her dad? Where is her mom? Like those, you you, answer, you ask yourself all those questions, and we really fill in all the blanks we can for ourselves, even if it doesn't come out, you know, in dialogue on screen or in a scene on screen. We need to know it because we need to know how those characters would react in different situations. When you're doing that research, have you have you ever found yourself with writer's block, or is it more just about the deadline and the preparation? Do you just kind of go back to the research and and keep looking for the answer? You go back, and certain de- de- deadlines take away writer's block. For those people that are not in the situation you're in now, and they're looking to maybe write their first thing, um, how do you kind of how did you first start to create those like self-imposed accountability to some degree as a writer? Good question. I, I, I think I was lucky because I went straight into working in magazines out of college. So kind of instantly as I was doing those writing, I mean, I was a fiction writing major in college, but um, so I guess I did it a little bit in school, in school, but um, you know, pretty quickly all the writing I was doing was on deadline. So um, I was kind of lucky in that, in, in that way. But uh, you know, I think, I think you just need to, you know, as silly as it sounds, you know, just not stop. I think there's days when, you know, I think some of my best days writing at different times have been when I thought, I, I thought I had nothing. You kind of, you kind of quit, but you also don't leave the office or don't leave your chair at home or wherever you're working. And then when you sort of give in and say like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm sticking around, but I'm not going to, you know, I think I'm done for the day. Then, it's almost like your brain relaxes and, and, and something cracks and you, and, and, and you get the next idea. And, and I think, I think, you know, being willing to stay an extra hour or an extra two hours or, you know, and sometimes it's finding when you do your best work. Some people work really well in the morning. So get up early and work until, until you're 
exhausted and then then you're free you know i think everyone there's no right way to do it so you just have to find you know what's best for you and then you know probably push it a little bit further than you think you need to push it when you were especially when you were making these transitions from more journalism to to screenwriting how did you kind of maybe surpass some of those initial fears or did you kind of keep a, keep the day job as a safety net or what was your original ideas as far as making that jump into screenwriting I I got lucky I I I was I I left I was working for Rolling Stone and I was uh my contract I was about to renew um and I was really happy I loved that job and um uh, and then when I considered doing TV, I, uh, it, I, I got a job offer pretty quick. I'd written, I'd written a script kind of quickly and it turned into a job offer. And, um, so I didn't, I, I didn't start writing scripts while working for the magazine. I did one ultra quickly cause I'd happened to move from, from New York to California for my wife to be in law school. And, uh, so, so suddenly I didn't even know. I didn't even know how little I knew, and 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 luckily I had the job. So it was a really a matter of like, oh, do I want to take this job and not go back to the magazine, which I ultimately did. Although I guess I wrote, I still wrote for them a fair amount when I was on my first TV job. I, I wrote two covers while I was on Chicago Hope, but um, but really I was in the lucky position of of, of being able to move into an actual job. So uh, I'm not the best example of that because I got ultra lucky. What were your like the majority of your interviews like? I know Rolling Stone uh, is kind of transitioned from just music. I know it's a little bit of everything. So, were you interested in mainly music when you got the job? I did mostly. Yeah, I was a huge, I'm a huge music head, and so uh, the fact that I and I just wanted to write for anyone, but the fact that I got to write for that magazine that I love, and also get to write about music, which which I love, I, I, I was really lucky and. Uh, and I was there pretty much through the nineties and that sort of, um, matched up well to my musical taste too. So I, uh, so that part was great. So I, I went on the band on the road with a, a lot of bands that I would have been listening to even if I wasn't working there. So you're, as far as your, um, total of your IMDb work, I'm looking at, it's a lot of crime and then AMC and, um, Netflix, the darker type stuff. Though, how are you kind of? Are you are you still incorporating some of that? Are you getting some say on what the soundtrack goes in? Do you have a you know music biop or something you want to write in the future? Uh, I would love to do something music related at some point. Um, uh, absolutely, um, and uh, music and sports both are two things that are hard to pull off, but I would love to try to do. Um, but in terms of the the darkness and the crime, I mean, I think part of a lot of it is a uh, there's just inherent drama in all that stuff. And, um, and you can get into all sorts of other questions. You can, you know, those things are stories about crime are often stories about families or class or, or things like that. You know, the thing, one of the things I love about Ozark so much is, is there's a lot of different themes within it and there's a lot of different moods within it. It can be really dark, but it can also be funny. You know, and it can also be sentimental at times. And, and so, uh, I, I, you know, I think it holds a lot of emotions. And a lot of times those kind of stories, they can, they're broad enough and big enough that they can hold a lot of different things. And that's, that's why I like, it so much, like them so much. Yeah, Ozark's definitely, you know, the foundation is definitely that family drama. 
what is kind of the North Star like in the writer's room? Do you ever do you feel like you're going too far one way with maybe violence or something else? Or do you always come back to the family or what kind of holds it all together? Always come back to the family, always come back to the marriage. If, 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 if we can't locate the story within Marty and Wendy's marriage, then then there's something wrong with our story. Um, it, and it's the thing, because otherwise, and, and although there's a lot of, we tell a lot of story on our show, um, but we never want it to just be a bunch of, it, we, don't, we don't want it to just be incident. You know, we don't want things to happen just because a bunch of writers in a room thought it would be cool that something happened. It, it, we we want to make sure that it's emotionally true and we're going to play the emotion of it. Even if it's something that's slightly comedic, we want to, we want to, we never want to tip over into, into something that's more um, comic book almost. What's some, what's some of the pressures of having, like there's so many great shows on television today. Like, I mean, I know when this first came out, there was comparisons to breaking bad, but there's very little like plot references that go between the two. But are there ever points where you're like, oh, this is great, but it's too similar to this that you have to avoid, or do you kind of just go for it? I think you just kind of go for it. Um, you know, Breaking Bad, we, we, we realized at the beginning that because um, just simply there was a Mexican drug cartel in, one, in, in Breaking Bad that came in later, and there was sort of a every man who was in some kind of crime, uh, that there were going to be some comparisons. But... Um, but uh, but when you start really getting into as the, as the as the show grows, we actually think they're very different shows. I mean, that show's fantastic. But just like when that show started, it was getting knocked for being too similar to Weeds. And I don't think by the time that Breaking Bad kept going on, no one was really thinking about Weeds, which was also a great show. But you know what I mean? I think I think there are going to be small overlaps in, in things every once in a while. But uh, as long as you're telling the story of your characters and their pass through things pretty quickly. They just, they become clearly their own things. And so we've always thought of ours uh, as about this family and about this marriage. And we're te- as long as, as we're telling that story, I think it diverges even more. Well, you've said a lot of, um, you know, it seems like you think a lot of luck has happened, but obviously you're working very hard for all of these transitions to work out as well. How would you kind of describe the state of the industry now um, as far as streaming and, and all the various options we have to watch? There's so much out there, which is, which is, which is great. But um, it's, uh, you know, I think the really, the, the really good news about the, this moment in time is because there's so many different places where that are that are showing content that you can i personally feel like you can just be your own very specific show and there's a place out there for you you know um whereas in when there were just four networks and that was it and you needed to kind of you needed to be a show that 20 million people might want to watch as opposed to like this very specific thing who has a fan base that's really loyal and loves it so i actually think it uh I think it helps for artistic specificity within each for each each show, and and lets people just just be themselves and, and worry worry about that. And um, so I think it's great. I mean, there's so much good stuff out there. You're constantly finding it. I'm constantly being told about some other show that I didn't know about that that people think is great and then is great. In the beginning, where you were um, possibly you know less secure, you would make it kind of as a TV writer. Um, is there any advice you wish you had heard or any best advice you heard early on to pass on to new novice writers? 
You know, I think I think there's a, a feeling among certainly of people that live in Los Angeles and are trying to break in. Um, I don't know if it's, it's probably different if you're trying to break in from afar and then and then and then come here or go wherever you're going to your work is. But uh, I think that there's people who just want to kind of get into the system in some way and um, start working within the TV system or whatever. And I, I actually think it's more valuable to uh, go off and have some adventures. I mean, I think, and, uh, and, and, and life experience, cause that's what you're going to draw from and that's what you're going to be writing from. And, and, you know, honestly, if people are hiring someone and, you know, somebody that had traveled the world for two years while the other person was, uh, an assistant somewhere within the TV world, like, I don't know, I'd probably try, I'd probably hire the person that traveled the world for two years. So to me, it's, uh, it's go find things you want to write about and then bring them, bring them to, bring them to the, to the job, as opposed to doing the job and then trying to figure out what you want to write about. That's great. Is there anything else you'd like to say about the show? Honestly, it's been such a pleasure to do it. I, it, I was just with Jason and Laura um, doing this panel recently, and we were all kind of joking about it. it. It sounds like one of those things that you know you just say, but it's really it's not. It, it's just really really true that uh, we're really lucky to be on a show where the people who are doing it together all really like each other, all really like the work they get to do, and are lucky enough at the moment that people seems to people seem to like us, so like the show. So uh, you know, I think. It's nice to be in a moment where all of everybody doing the show, our crew members, our writers, our editors, our actors, all kind of understand are on that that same page, which is uh, which is just really nice. It's like sometimes you don't know until it's all over, but we're we're lucky enough to know it while it's happening. Thank you for tuning into the show. If this is your first time listening, please log on to iTunes or SoundCloud and give us a rating. Providing a rating or sharing content is one of the best ways to help the series grow. Make sure to also follow or like us on your favorite platforms like Instagram, Facebook, or the new YouTube series we've started. And check for daily updates over at creativeprinciples.live.